good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I'm really honored by your presence. I hope you've had a great day and hope you have a great day ahead. I wish you a lot of peace. Um, these podcasts are about knowledge, about gaining the knowledge, about improving on the knowledge, about using the knowledge uh, to heal um, to gain confidence and and thereby and, and thereby slowly calm down because knowledge always gives you confidence and by confidence you can heal uh, you can have a conversation and conversations are all about healing so this podcast is about a conversation uh, to give you that knowledge to bring out concepts from under the rug and just give you the currents that form the waves uh, the atwa all that lies in between and not just these uh, these uh, statements made uh, on in public, one-liners, two-liners, make you understand the, the entire currents that form the ways. And, and I hope that this will help you. We'll bring about peace. We'll bring about uh, dialogue. And we can heal together, be stronger, and go forward uh, wherever you are in the world. And I just want to bring you on this topic. Um, uh, <clears throat> some, a post I read about Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he's a Texan actor who comes uh, from uh, Uvalde, uh, the town in Texas where there was a shooting, 21, I think, uh, to school children. And I, I, my condolences to them and their families. I know what, how difficult it is and to go through. And I'm really, really, um, my condolences to all of them. Um, thank you. Um, uh, please also just keep them in your prayers. Uh, and anyway, Matthew McConaughey says, I promise you, America, you and me, we are not as divided as we're being told we are. I couldn't stop but smile, laugh, because this is exactly what is going on with the TV. When the TV, when the establishment cannot get to you, when the establishment cannot control your mind and they know you're strong, they will slander you, chastise you with hate speech, intolerance, divide and rule, polarization, all these negative words to bring you down and create negativity, create a doubt in your mind. Once they have the doubt in the mind, they can control you. And so we're not divided. We're currents and waves. Go to the ocean. Can you see currents and waves? Do they look divided? No, they're the same ocean. We are that ocean. We are cosmic currents and we are not divided. We just have different labels. Look under the labels. We're all the same. So you can have a conversation, you can have different points of view, you can have different, belong to different groups, but we're still currents and waves. So do not believe that we're divided. We are not. The, the media has a narrative to get to you. The establishment has a narrative. Um, and the establishment of the world, the, the Marxists, the socialists, the extreme, uh, extreme, whichever side you want to go, they have, uh, and each one will point fingers at the others, calling them extreme, far right, far left. But it's still you. Do not bow down to the narrative because it's worthless. So on that topic of currents and waves, I want to just uh, talk about something very important before I get into the history of the imperial of... Uh, Islamic imperialism. Uh, we're going to that history today, and I just want to tell you, remind you something before we go there, because um, Islamic history, the imperial part, says um, within the first hundred years, Islam had conquered all of North, North Africa, Arabia, all the way to India, uh, Sindh, and it was fantastic. Uh, how did they do that in hundred years? Well, yeah, my friend, let me tell you how it's done. 
I have spoken about this before. We are cosmic currents. We are not the people who you think we are. We are a cosmic energy field. And our energy field rolls in, rolls in, in currents, in cycles. Okay, we know that. And those cycles move as currents and waves. Go to the ocean, that's who you are. Exactly who you are. You're made up of 70% water. Once you die, you will be buried in the ground or you'll be cremated. The, the ashes go into the ground. The water that your body is made of will sink into the land. It'll land, it'll go through the land, it'll filter to the land, and it'll join the aquifers below because below the earth, there are aquifers. Those aquifers then will then follow the, ha, has currents below the surface of the earth and join a, a, an outlet where it becomes, it, it becomes part of a bigger river. That river will become part of the ocean and you will join the ocean. So basically, your water is recycled, recycled because that's who we are, water. And when you see the water at the ocean, those are our ancestors, those are us. That is exactly who we are. We are the water. We are the currents and waves. And we room in cycles. Now, we're cosmic. When we, are, when we have life, we are cosmic currents, okay? Um, and these cosmic currents move in certain uh, degrees. So we have a precession cycle just as the cosmos moves. Uh, our energy field also moves the same way. Um, the Earth's cosmic uh, cycle, the ax, uh, axis, is something what we call as, um, I've talked about this before, precession cycles, okay? So a precession cycle is uh, 25,920 years, uh, which is what it takes for, um, well, it's, it's called the precession of the equinox, where the Earth axis moves around in a circle. It's a slow movement. It's 25,920 years. Um, and that's the, the time lapse that, uh, that it takes to go 360 degrees. And then the cycle starts again and again and again. So uh, if you divide 25,920 years, you will get 72 years per degree. So every time you move one degree, the Earth axis is moving uh, one degree. Um, it's 72 years. We are the cosmos. We move like the precession. Our, our energy field is in, we have multiple energy fields at the same time. There's not just one energy field, but the Earth's energy field, we are the cosmos, so we change with that. Um, so 72 years we take to move one degree. And that is why we say it's very difficult to change our mentality. We often hear the phrase, oh, you can, she's changed her label, she's gone here, but she's still got the same mentality. Why? Because in order for us to change that mentality, it is 72 years. It's one generation per person, practically. Um, so normally... Uh, if it takes you 72 years to move one degree, it takes you a very, very long time to change that mentality, to move. So how do we move? Um, how did uh, we go, uh, the Middle East, go from peace or relative peace to war in the 7th century and in, in 100 years change... Um, change exactly uh overtook the overtook the middle east how did they do that from hero to zero or from peace to violence and they overtook the middle east and that's 100 years how did they do that if we really 
our cosmic mentality moves at uh, 72, uh, 72 years for one degree. So uh, I'm going to ask you at this point to go onto my Facebook page, okay? And on my Facebook page, you are going to see the earliest Qurans, okay? Um, I have put up the earliest Qurans on my Facebook page. It's called Religions, Regimes and Refugees. If you want, you can uh, also Google it yourself, the earliest Qurans. Now, our cosmic energy derives... The, defines who we are. That means if it's out of balance, our, our, our energy field will be out of balance. And if our energy field is out of balance, everything that flows from our energy field will be out of balance, will be turbulent. Okay? So that means if there is... Um, if there's a huge volcanic event and, and we're shaken up, we're traumatized, or for any reason we meet with an accident, and it affects you, it, it disturbs your mental balance, it disturbs your energy field, you won't be able to write, you won't be able to walk, you're, you're wobbly, because your, your axe of your body has been shifted, <coughs> your, um, ha has, been, has been traumatized, your energy field has to be traumatized, and you have to relearn to walk, relearn to use your hand. Similarly, that's because your, your magnetic field is out of balance. So similarly, anything can disturb your, your magnetic field. Um, if you go look at the earlier Qurans, you will see that there is space between... The writing is, is very smooth, okay? Very, very smooth. There's nothing wrong with the writing. It's beautiful. You may not understand the earlier Qurans. You may not understand um, writing. But look at that. There is... Uh, it's on my Facebook page. There's space between the writings. Um, there, it's very little of writing below the lines. Uh, most of it is above. It's in structure. It has um, it has art. There's space. There's uh, there's everything you can think of. What is it telling you? That means the people who wrote this. This writing is an extension of the energy, just like. Any writing today, it's, it tells you who, who you are. When we were young, we would go for uh, an interview and they would say, write, because they needed to see your mentality. They needed to see you by your writing. They could tell who you are. Similarly, over here, you see the old, the old Quranic scripts. They're beautifully written. There's space. There is structure. There is no going below the lines. Most of it is above the lines. There's no accents, and there's nothing on it. And you go to the 7th century, there's nothing. 8th century, it's even more beautiful. You will see the Kufic Qurans. You will see the blue Quran. You will also see Kufic handwriting comes from approximately, if I'm not mistaken, 4th century AD to about 8th, 9th uh, century AD. There's space. Um, there's space between the Qurans. Uh, between the writing again, fantastic artwork, and then all of a sudden, it, it now you're in the 8th century, okay, the Kufic script is in the 8th century, it starts to change a little bit, okay? Um, if you go to my fourth image, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th image, all of a sudden you see the 7th image, and you see the seventh image on my Facebook page, and all of a sudden you have um, 
accents going below the line. So it means it's going below the word. It's not just going above the word. It's going below the word. It's more closer to each other. It's not... It's not uh, further apart, like the previous scripts were further apart. There's space, a lot of space, telling you that the people are people who respect each other. There's, there's not much violence. There's not much turbulence. Um, and, here there is and here there is, all of a sudden, it, there's a little bit of over and top of each other. It's closer to each other. You start going to the 9th century, and it's even more closer to each other. You see there, uh, there is uh, accents all about the place, and you come to the 10th century. Um, and it is disgusting. It is, it is up, down. Uh, everywhere. I'm not talking of what's written. I'm talking of the handwriting. Okay, very important that you understand this is about the handwriting. It's all about the place. It looks corrosive. It looks aggressive. Um, there is there is very there's no space between the words. The accents all about the over each other. The 10th century is the same. The 11th century is the same. And from then onwards, you see there is no art at all. The art is maybe the paperwork, but that's it. Uh, what's written around the drawings, that's art. But the writing is not artistic anymore. It looks very corrosive, very aggressive, um, over, above each other, um, in between... And really, there is it loses a lot. But from the seventh century to around the eighth, ninth century, you see that there is art, there is space. Now, people say, "Oh, because this was a rasam, uh, the language evolved." But why did it evolve from art to aggression? Uh, you can't go from art to aggression like this. We do not change so fast because the art is talking about respect. The art is talking about culture. The art is talking about knowledge, people who are knowledge, knowledgeable, people who had the ability to have a conversation. Uh, that's what the art is telling you. But look at the 10th century, the 8th century, the 9th century. All of a sudden, you see it getting closer together, closer together. Now, the art is slightly going off. It's there, but it's going off. The space is going off. The accent's all about the place. The 10th century, boom, clack. What's it telling you, fellas? Okay, that means you're, the people who are writing it have become aggressive. The aggression is in their writing. It's an extension of their energy. There is aggression all about the place. It is insulting. It is degrading. It is corrosive. It is blood-stained. It is everything you don't want it to be. Yet, the earliest Qurans were not like this. So what happened that it went from zero to hero? Well, I've talked about this before. And I'm going to talk about it again. It's the 536 volcanic eruption um, um, that happened where we don't know, but it did. So a cataclysm, which I keep coming back to, very important. I hope you understand this. The 536 volcanic eruption that researchers have not been able to pinpoint, the volcanic winter it produced... Uh, left a botanical mark on three rings uh, besides the collapse of multiple empires. The original exodus from Egypt and traditions that became laws 
to overcome a pandemic with an institutionalized um 536 is very, very important. 50 million people die in Europe. Uh, uh, there's a crisis in the Levant, in the, in the Arabias. Um, and a little bit, uh, and around this time, 622 AD, uh, some of the Hebrew tribes, which are around Yatub and Medina, uh, form a political movement, and that political movement becomes uh, joins with the people from Mecca, and all of a sudden, this goes out of uh, sync. The political movement takes over the Middle East and now becomes permanent. So what exactly is it? Now, if you understand this writing from 536 AD, from, from 7th century AD to the 10th century is only 400 years. Okay? Uh, in order for you us to change, I said we need 72 years to change one degree. But if we've changed in 400 years, that means the writing is gone from art to aggression in 400 years. That means there has to be some massive trauma that happened in order to hit the axe of the planet to change your individual acts to, to get the people out of sync. Okay, it cannot be a small volcanic event, it has to be a massive volcanic event. So, what was the volcanic event? If you go to see the uh, volcanic events of the Levant, um, you will not find anything from the 7th century to the 10th century so massive. The only massive thing, uh, massive volcanic event, seismic event, was in 536. That means from 536 AD. It took one entire cycle for the digression to come up, for the currents of that 536 to form the first wave. So from 536 to the 10th century, you're looking at 500 years approximately. That means even though the, the earthquake, the volcanic eruption happened in the cosmos that shook the axe of the planet, very much like in 2011 in Japan, very much like recently, I think end of last year, to 2021 or 2022, in the Fiji Islands, um, we had the volcanic eruption. So you can see that... Um, this volcanic eruption from the writing, the writing tells the story um, that the aggression is an extension of the people. The people have been traumatized, but this trauma doesn't come from exactly two days before. It comes only from that huge volcanic event, 536 AD, which is 500 years for the, the currents to form those waves. Only the first wave. Okay, because after that wave after wave after wave. Now from 500, uh, from 536 to 10th century, looking at 500 years, that's not a long time considering the fact that um, you're looking at 27,920 years for 360 degrees. That means 180 degrees if you want to change you're looking at around approximately 12,960 years. For your mentality to change 180 degrees, you have to wait 12,960 years. But this is 500 years, which means a cosmic current, a cosmic wave, a wave is 500 years. It's not the whole cycle, just one wave. Now, try and understand, a normal wave, if you go to the beach, 
a wave, a wave on the sea, there's no difference between that and a tsunami, okay? The only difference between a tsunami wave and a regular wave is the force, but the time is the same. So this was, um, this was a tsunami wave. The time is the same, that means, but the force was so great because of that earthquake that it destroyed civilizations. Can you imagine how strong it was? It also tells you a story that our regular waves, cosmic waves, every one cycle, one wave is 500 years. That means we're working 500 years behind. That means what happened, uh, try and understand what happened 500 years ago and you will see those waves are coming out now. Because it's our currents that form the waves. It's not the waves that form the currents. Our currents are cosmic. Every wave is 500 years. So it's taken 500 years for us to come to this point. That means you have to know history and go back in time to understand what is happening today. So I hope you understand. I hope I made myself clear because I, under I, I know I took my very long time to understand this myself it's not the easiest of things but now that you understand that i am going to read you the history of uh, islamic imperialism okay uh most of this chapter takes place on the water we've come to know as the abbasid abbasid caliphate because we've read about the umayyads uh, the umayyads were from uh six well, uh, they started with the Rashidun Caliphates in 632 and went to the Umayyad Caliphates and that finished in 750 and then the Abbasid Empire took over and um, that was uh, named after Muhammad's uncle Abbas. Okay, so the Abbasid Caliphate was from 750 AD to 1258 and from 1261 to 1517. Islam likes to call this the golden age, an age where Islam was the only empire to save the world from darkness and bring light and knowledge to revive the planet. That is why it attributes all modern inventions to this Islamic period and necess necessitates that we submit to the will of God. It takes them darkness from the dark ages as the age in which Europe goes through a cultural age of darkness. Um, I don't agree with the dark ages of, of Europe, but we'll get to that in a different chapter. Islam calls this the European ignorance, which they solved and resurrected. However, the concept of European darkness really means that this period where there were no records for its monuments and cultural arts, that's all it means, because the term dark ages only came in the 13th century. So how do they know what happened? Did they have the internet? No, they didn't. It's just someone who, who happened to come out with a term and everyone goes and says, oh, the Dark Ages. Uh, that's ignorance galore. Uh, what really was a time period uh, from the 5th century, 4th, 5th century, where they realized there were no records for the monuments, the, the monuments that were already built, the art, the cultural arts, no uh, source. And so they don't know where the, the, all the paperwork went. But when you think about it, that Europe became Christian around that time, the church took over all the documents and they probably got in the Vatican vault somewhere. But uh, the church, will, church took all the documents and put their name on it and, you know, colonize those, those, those documents. 
and made everything Christian because if they showed the source that it was pre-Christian, then you know no one would believe them. So basically, that's what it was. Uh, this would more than likely be because the church rebranded, like I said, all records as Christian inventions and achievements, kept all the records and knowledge to itself, while not sharing it with their congregations below. All to enslave them and cut off the source of Roman heritage from where it came. While replacing the source with Christianity, Islam came and did exactly the same. Astronomical cycles. However, Islam, for all its golden age, cannot provide any documents for its monuments too. Just historical books written down centuries later by their own historians to feed their own apologetics. Um... To go to the Golden Age briefly, it was a feudal caliphate named after Muhammad's uncle Abbas, Abbas in Abdul Muttalib. The caliphs or, or feudal sultans uh, ruled out of Baghdad for most of this period after they overthrew the Umayyad caliph, starting out of Kufa, Iraq in 762. Baghdad was a city supposedly founded 35 kilometers east of the ancient Parthian, Parthian and Sassanian capital of Ctesiphon. That means Islam says that it's a, a city of great culture, agriculture, land and waterways, and it was Islam who built the city. It's a falsehood, my friends, because it's only 35 kilometers from Ctesiphon. It was a huge cultural and trade center of the Middle East, of Persia, and it was part of the Persian Empire. So Islam didn't invent anything because the Arabs were Bedouin. They could not live in urban areas. They had no idea how to live there. So they would live in tents outside the city, form an alliance with people in the city, and when they would form that alliance... Um, they all they did was stay outside and you know ensure the uh, security of the of the of the place and uh, collect the money for taxes and as the money increased they would increase their tents their land they built around and that became a city you know a tent city and then became a concrete city and from there you got Baghdad and they did this everywhere a city of great culture, agriculture, and waterways. The Arabs invaded the Sassanian Empire in 636 and occupied it in 637 AD. The capital was connected by a network of roads with all parts of the empire. Hence, when the Persian Empire was invaded and taken over, um, taken over by the Arabs, it was easier to find a new city as the infrastructure and centers of knowledge already existed. Um... It was here that Islam says it built a house of wisdom, Bait al-Hikmah. They depended and allied, however, on the Bar Barmakid family in, um, in Setesfion or Baghdad, who were highly educated. So they didn't really build a house of wisdom. Uh, they conquered this land, Setesfion, the Persian Empire, and they allied with the Barmakid family, who were highly educated, respected, and influential throughout Arabia, Persia, Central Asia, and the Levant. Okay? In Baghdad, the Barmakid court became the center of patronage for the Islamic ulema, poets, and scholars alike. The Barmakids were descendants of Buddhist administrators, called Parmukha, in Sanskrit, Arabized to Barak, Barmak. Um, so the Barmakids were descendants of Buddhist 
and they were called Barmak in Arabic, and the ancient Buddhist monastery of Navabihara, Navbar, west of Balkh. The Barmakid family was a supporter of the revolt against the Umayyad Caliph, who had originally enslaved some of the Barmakid women and forced them to marry Arab feudal princes. When the Abbasid Caliph took over, they then achieved a high place in the political sphere of the Caliphate due to their support and went on to convert and join the Islamic empire. Thus, most knowledge that Islam boasts to this day comes from this family, their supporters, including the famous House of Wisdom. This is how Baghdad became uh, Islamic uh, and a center of arts, culture, and science. Islam takes the credit for it, however, for a bunch of tent-dwelling Arabs whose culture was violence. They who Islam states did not know how to read and write, hence uh, the territorial feudal ambitions, founding culture and inventing science was nothing but fake news. Without Persian Buddhist background, existing infrastructure and centers of knowledge, the Arabs would not have invented anything. Um, so the credit goes to the Persian and the Buddhist for the house of golden age, not Islam, and nor the Arabs of Islam. All of which gives Islam its architecture, its geometry, medicine, and mosque we see today. Without the Persian Buddhist connection, modern Islam would really be a footnote in history. Buddhism, do not forget, is a Dharmic Vedic philosophy and nothing to do with Arabic Islamic sub subjugation, whose ideology is about supremacy, I am the truth, the way of, of life. Islam's destiny with God is about culture plagiarized from previous civilizations. It's very important to stress that not all, all Arabs were ignorant as they made out in Islamic history. Bedouins were nomadic people who used astronomy to navigate the desert. They were free thinkers and they were not ideologues. Adapting to different life situations and thinking out of the box was natural to them. Their caravans were not only uh, about selling goods and services, but exchange of ideas and knowledge. Their nomadic caravan trips took them from Western Sahara to India to China to Indonesia out east. So it's not true that they were all ignorant. It is feudal colonial clans, kingdoms, and empires of Abrahamic descent who have fostered a narrative to degrade the ancestors who walked the Arab sands, only to drive their colonial empires. How else would they get people to submit to them? Besides, we are all cosmic special species that travel in astronomical cycles. They are always people who will be on the top of the cycle and people below. We can never have everyone at the bottom of the cycle. So Abrahamic uh, establishments who have for the last 3,000 years taught Arabs to hate themselves and their own ancestors, their feudal ignorance is exactly what it is, bunch of fake news. Islam starts their historical journey of colonialism with a civil war with its non-geopolitical coalition partners. The Umayyad Caliph, uh, Caliphate was forced to give up the control of Damascus in 750 AD. Arabs lost Morocco to Idris in 788 AD. If fell to the Aglabids uh, in 800 AD, and Egypt fell to the Shiite Caliphate of the Fatimid Empire in 909 AD. They became a fanatical ideological empire after the rise of 
the Buryids in Iran in 945 AD, the Seljuk Turks who invaded and took over Baghdad in 1055 AD. They lost any cultural power with the overthrow of Baghdad by the Mongols in 1258 AD. They resurfaced under the Malmuk's reign in Cairo in 1251 AD, uh, but had only theological power until 1517, when the Ottomans took over the Caliphate. So to elaborate this era, let's start with the invasion and colonization of North Africa. So Arab Islamic invasion of Egypt started in 639 AD, joined by some apostates from the Roman and Persian empires. They were also joined by some Sinai Bedouin tribes who fought along with the Arabs. Egypt, home to the fertile Nile River Basin, was a center of trade and agriculture. The entire region of Egypt fell to the Arabs by December 640 AD, after which a treaty was signed by Cyrus of Alexandria, the Melkite uh, Patriarch of Egypt, recognizing Islamic uh, sovereignty over the land and a tribute of two dinars, the jizya, payable for each male adult. However, um, the Byzantine Emperor at that time did not agree to, to the treaty and Cyrus of Alexandria betrayed the Emperor by effectively independently agreeing to a treaty with the Arabs. Um, the Byzantines launched an attack, but by September 641 AD, uh, Alexandria fell to the Arabs. This was continued with the conquest of Maghreb in 647 AD, terminating in 711 AD with the conquest of the Iberian Peninsula. One very important note is the earliest source of history of this time, dated from the 9th century AD, approximately 200 years after the events took place. All these historical books are written by Muslims, thus all of this is from the point of view of Islam and their self-promoting agendas. One has to do join the dots after researching different perspectives of this area of this era, the different versions of history constructed by Islamic scholars have always been a point of contention among the different groups involved. Tripolitania, uh, modern-day Libya, fell by 648 AD. After this conquest, the Arab invasions were halted due to the Islamic civil war called the Fitna, the Caliphate, which dictated the orders of the day and controlled the Islamic empire, moved base then to Damascus. From 659 to 689 onwards, Arab conquered almost all territory from Egypt to Perin present-day Mauritania. In 670, the city of Kairoun fell. Kairoun would then become the capital of the Islamic province of Ifriqiya, comprising of parts of modern-day Libya, Tunisia, Algeria. Uh, by 689 AD, modern-day Morocco and Mauritania fell. By 709 AD, all of North Africa that was under Arabic, Arab Islamic control divided into three provinces. Um, Egypt ruled out of Al-Fustat, Ifriqiya was ruled out of Kairoun, and Maghreb out of Tangiers. This period also saw civil war among Arab chieftains and governors on the Arabian Peninsula and Levant, and a quick succession of caliphs. The fallout of this internal struggle at their home base translated into barbaric warfare among the Arab invaders, 
and the local Berbers for control of the North African provinces. Once the Arab internal struggle among the governors ended in 692, they presumed that the struggle for, conquer, for control of their North African dominions. An important point to note is that the Arabs are desert people. However, part of North Africa from modern-day Tunis right up to Morocco is mountain country. Um, while it would have been easier for the desert Arabs to col colonize Egypt, Libya, and parts of Tunisia, it would have been very, very difficult for the Arabs to control and maintain their control over the dominions of North Africa that form part of the Atlas Mountains, which is a little bit uh, Algeria, mostly Morocco. The Arabs would have been slaughtered, so they had to associate with local Berber tribes on the ground. This meant only one thing, finding tribes who were marginalized, kept out of power, stitching together a coalition, putting their best foot forward and, promo and promising them land, titles, money, and so on. This was this which every empire undertakes to gain a foothold in the region. It was the fourth generation warfare, but it's an old tactic. Islam calls this tolerance, but it was more a strategic alliance to suit their vested interests. These Berber tribes with whom they have been associated with would have been the tribes who were not Latinized and not Christianized, because this area was originally ruled by the Romans, a Roman Empire. Um, and the Visigoths for a while. These tribes accepted Islam in name only, but not without getting something in return for the strategic alliance. They kept their Berber culture, language and traditions without following the Islamic ideology to avoid dimitude and subsequent Arabization of their people in return for sharing power. In 689, the Islamic Caliph in Damascus appointed a son of a converted Arab slave as governor of Ifriqiya, Musa bin Nusair. His job was to maintain order in Islamic dominions and stamp out any Berber rebellions which were undertaken without hesitation. Islamic sources say he slaughtered Berber civilians, enslaved up to 300,000 captives, a portion of whom were sold into slavery, and the rest were put in, into the Arab militia to fight further campaigns. On the Iberian Peninsula, the Visigoth kings ruled the land, led by the Visigoth Emperor Rodriguez, uh, Roderick. Unknown to most people, Visigoths were Central Asian Huns who migrated westwards in search of more fertile ground or agriculture and trade. They were not native to Southern Europe and were invaders, originating as the Ostrogoths in the 1st century AD. They migrated to Western Europe, culminating in the 5th century uh, of the Iberian Peninsula. Although they converted to Christianity, they obviously did not care about either the theology nor the name. No different from their Turco-Mongol cousins, who later took up Islam um, and moved on. Unaccountable power, wealth, and glory was all they could have been interested in. The Visigoths, however, were only 1-2% of the population, 
The locals were Europeans mixed with Berber to thousands of years of migrations and trade. Remember the Iberian Peninsula formed part of the Phoenician, Cartesian, and Roman empires, and the Berbers were citizens of these empires. While people think of Berbers as African, they are mixed ethnicity, formed over thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of years of north-south migrations for trade and commerce from Af the Africas to Europe and back. Thus, even today, Europeans, especially South, Southern Europeans, have mixed African ancestry, which Berber tribes, while Berber tribes come in colors and races that are black, white, brown, and blue-eyed. By the 7th century, the Visigoth kingdom was in turmoil with massive internal strife. The Emperor Roderick uh, is said to have been handling the strife not to be handling the strife very well. One story makes the round, says the Emperor Roderick raped the governor, the daughter of the governor of the fortress of Quetta, uh, Quetta uh, Count Julian. The governor, being so furious, sent a request to the Arab general Musa, who used the count, who used uh, Count Julian as a key to entering the Iberian Peninsula in 711 AD, captured the land and formed modern Spain and Portugal. And that forms modern Spain and Portugal, a siege led by Berber freed slave Tariq ibn Zaid, which completed the conquest of modern Spain and Portugal lasting seven centuries. To go back in history, um, a very important point I would like to make is the distortions of history by religious and colonial powers that have been taken for granted. Um, to start off with, the invasion of the Tunisian city of Kairaoun. The Islamic governor Ibn Nafi is said to have commissioned the original mosque upon the invasions of the city in 670 AD. And so until 632 again, when the Prophet Muhammad was alive, the uh, Muslims or Ishmaelites were for most part said to be illiterate. They had no science. They were ignorant and formed part of the highly volatile desert Bedouins um, that roamed the land. After all, all of a sudden, they were commissioning massive forts on foreign lands. Uh, all the while, in their own backyard, they did not construct anything. Look at the mosque at Kairaoun. It was declared a UNESCO heritage site in 1988. Its architecture is completely Byzantine. Its dome, its main arch, its bell tower, now a minaret, its cylindrical hall, Islam likes like Christianity uh, and Judaism, does not have any typical architecture. They are supposedly divine ideologies. The architecture consists of colonized monuments inherited from previous empires. Um, the mosque is a Roman Byzantine garrison fort built by the Berber and Cartesian um, empires, enlarged by the Romans. The engineering was Cartesian and Roman, woven with design and artwork that was Berber. Thus, the Kairaoun Mosque was um, only more likely a Car Cartesian base, uh, military base, uh, before the Romans taking over. So, um, that's just part of what I was able to, I was wanted to say actually today. Um, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to stop the uh, podcast today and we'll continue tomorrow uh, just a small podcast I what you want what I want you to remember is that yes for 100 years Islam took over 
uh, all of North Africa, but it's not for fluke that this happened. Uh, like I said, we are currents and waves, and another current came and took over the force because there was an, a volcanic eruption, and that volcanic eruption disturbed the axis of the planet. The cosmic currents, the currents, the damage control are out of that, and the cosmic currents produced waves and waves and waves of turbulence and ignorance. And basically, that is what it is. So, I hope you had a good time. Um, please. Uh, keep uh, researching whatever I say, keep sharing this, keep having, um, keep uh, discussing it with your friends. Peace, my friends. Uh, I hope you heal. I hope you get some knowledge. Um, do write, keep writing, uh, keep sharing, keep externalizing your emotions, and we will get to this together. So thank you very much. You have yourself a great evening, and see you tomorrow.